today's message is, um, is something that is very personal for me. It's something that really revolutionized my life when I learned this. Not only did it revolutionize my life, but it really changed the trajectory of Carrie and I's relationship. We were high school sweethearts, and through our marriage, it's, I would say we were pretty good. But it wasn't until I really learned this concept that it really took us from, from good to a level of where I'm really proud of our relationship. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship, but one of the things that we do know is what I'm going to share with you today is really what separates the marriage masters from the marriage disasters. And if we can concentrate, not only just concentrate, but really get this down, what I'm going to share with you, it's going to be a huge blessing in your life. You know, there's a tennis great, his name is Andre Agassi. You may remember him. He was really big in the 1990s, 2000. He was a teen phenom that came on the tennis circuit. He had the bad boy attitude. He had the long hair, ripped jeans, and he fit the profile of a tennis rebel. And Andre was not only so gifted at tennis, but he became, at 16 years old, one of the leading tennis players, professionals in the world. He was so good that he ranked right up to the very top very quickly. And he was able to become number one in the world. But quickly, as fast as he rose up to the top of the rankings, he started climbing down. He started getting beat. And not only was he getting beat, but he got beat so often that he fell off the rankings. It was so bad for him that he ended up his own coach fired him. When your own tennis coach fires you, that's pretty bad. And so his agent was going, we got to do something. We got to get Andre some help. So he read a book by Brad Gilbert called Ugly Winning. And when he read this book, he said, this is exactly what Andre needs to hear. So he set up a meeting with Andre and, and Brad Gilbert for dinner. And they sat down, and, and Brad is a very serious guy. He's a guy that is uh, very organized. He's very structured. And he sat down and just went right to the chase of Andre and said, Andre, if I had your talent, I would be dominating the tour right now. He said, there's no doubt you are a gifted tennis player. But what you don't have is the right strategy. He said, I don't have the talent, but I had the right strategy. I had to learn how to win. And Andre, I, I can help you climb not only back up the rankings, but I believe I can help you to become a Grand Slam winner. You know, in marriage, so many times is we get together and the chemistry is right. Is there any online matches here? Anyone married that met on match.com, eHarmony? Anyone? No, online, or are you just too ashamed to admit it? <laughs> you should be proud of it. All right, we got some. eHarmonyMatch.com. All right, I know in Texas a big one is Farmers Only. <laughs> Where I'm from in the Ozarks, our favorite dating website was Ancestry.com. <laughs> it worked out great. And as we start meeting each other, we start finding a connection. I mean, the person has to be hot, right? They have to be hot. I mean, you have to go, wow. Then they also got to smell good. I mean, that, you got to have that. And then you start seeing this chemistry, and then we get married, 
And then in about 18 months, we start finding that I don't think I really like this person anymore. They're so annoying. And it's really not because of the chemistry. It's really because you don't have the right strategies. It's having the right strategy is what's going to change your relationship. And strategies that God has put in his word is seven things that we know is going to help you to have the best relationship ever. So at our church, we teach seven strategies. We have a course called Pursue Oneness. 16,000 people have gone through this course. And these seven things are absolutely essential for every relationship to have. If you want to thrive in your relationship, if you want to become a marriage master, you really want these. And the first strategy that we teach is called the me strategy. The me strategy is very much the very best me I can bring to the relationship is going to help us have the best we. If I'm healthy mentally, if I'm healthy emotionally, if I'm healthy physically, if I'm healthy spiritually, we're going to have a good relationship because the very best me. I've never had anyone come up to me and say, you know what, being an alcoholic is the best thing that's ever happened to my marriage because it's not bringing the best you. We call that personal responsibility. We, in, in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, Guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. That is who you are. All your words, thoughts, and action is guard your heart. We're going to be talking about the heart. Then the second strategy we talk about is friendship. you got to have a friendship. Great marriages are because of great friendships. If you want a good gauge of how your friendship is, is how much are you laughing? Laughter is a great gauge to find out how strong your friendship is. If you're not laughing, we need to work on our friendship. The, sec the third uh, strategy we talk about is connection. Connection is you've got to be able to have communication. You've got to know what's going on daily. You've got to be able to know how you're connecting with the heart. Do you know what's going on in your spouse's heart? And connection is through communication. It's the heart and soul of relationships, really. It's impossible to have a marriage without connection. A great gauge of connection is touch. Is there a lot of touch in your relationship? Holding hand, hugging, putting your arm around them, putting your hands through their hair. I know some ladies don't like that. Is don't touch the hair, I worked all day on it. But we wanna make sure that you have touch is a great gauge of finding out how much connection you have. As we talk about more strategies is we talk about the spiritual strategy. Every couple needs to be a part of the church. Small groups are vital. You need to be in community. You need to be worshiping together. You need to be tithing. Very much an important part. Physical intimacy, very much a part of our marriage strategy. We talked about that again yesterday. And it's a beautiful thing that God has created in our strategy. As we talk about also this last one, is what we call the reboot strategy. And the reboot strategy comes right after what we call the conflict management strategy. Has anyone here in marriage ever had an argument with their spouse? Okay. Has anyone ever had it? hey, in 10 minutes, you know, we went back and forth and we were all done? Yeah, not anyone ever does that. But how many of you guys may go an hour or two? Yeah. Maybe two days or three days. Yeah, it's not called conflict, it's called war, right? We all have that. 
because we're not perfect. We're not perfect in the way how we do life because of our sinful nature. We're going to err. We're going to make mistakes. And in our relationships is how we reboot is what's going to separate you from great marriages. So as we talk about reboot, I want to tell you something really quick about marriage. Is there's a lot of research on marriage. So we know. We wanted to do research on this. So we, we found out that the average divorce rate is right around 27%, right around 28 So it's not 50%. Okay, it's about 28%. So we know that. And then we know there's about another 25% that are basically still married, but they're divorced emotionally. They're detached. They're very disconnected. We talk about no touch, no laughter. They're just living roommates together. So we know about that. So we got about 50%, and about 30% of those are actually doing what they would say, okay, in the relationship. And then we got this remaining 20% of marriages that separate themselves from everybody else. They would rank as what we call highly satisfied in their relationship. So we wanted to find out, why are they highly satisfied in their relationship? What was different in their relationship from all the other different, of all the other relationships? And so we did the research, and what came back was absolutely mind-blowing to me. I would not have guessed this, as it wasn't communication, it wasn't just having great date nights, it wasn't having a physical, intimate relationship that was off the chart. It was this one thing, forgiveness. Their ability to reboot their relationship is what separated them from everyone else. I love my wife tremendously. She is the greatest person on earth, I think. She's pretty perfect, but she does annoy me sometimes. And I know I annoy her sometimes. She's human. We, we get on each other's nerves. When we drive together, she tells me everything to do. I've been driving for over 40 years. I know what a green arrow means. <laughs> Turn left. If she would just let me find my own parking spot, that would be a huge win. It's the only thing I get in life now to actually hunt for. Is <laughs> when she lets me get in my own parking spot, then she'll reach over and say, you did this all by yourself. Good boy. I love that. It's part of it, but it would drive me nuts when she'd say, park here. There's an open spot. I want to get my own. And so we just have these errors and, and ways how we don't do it intentionally, but we just hurt each other sometimes. And that's why in marriages, the greatest thing you can have is the ability to reboot your relationship. And when we talk about forgiveness, is we talk about forgiveness in a way that basically is unforgiveness robs us of intimacy and holds us captive to hurt feelings, anger, and frustration in our relationship. Unforgiveness robs us of intimacy, holds us captive to hurt feelings, anger, and frustration in our relationship. The heart represents who you are. And when we get hurt in a relationship, if you've been wrong in a relationship, a lot of times your heart will close down. Your heart's shutting down like this. And everyone, hold up your hand like this. Hold up your hand. Everyone, hold up your hand. Don't fight me. Just do it. Is This is going to represent your heart today. 
Your heart is right here. Now, when your heart is open like this, I am free to give love. But when your heart is closed, it's hard to give love and receive love. You can put your hands down now. But your heart, that's what it is. And when in marriage, when we shut each other down, our hearts start closing down to each other. It's, it's hard to connect. You start having withdrawals. You start distancing yourself. And when you start distancing yourself from a relationship with the most important person on earth to you, it's really hard to have a great marriage. Or you'll end up like this fellow who was in a senior home. And in his home, they wanted to reconnect him with his wife. So watch this video real quick. All right, you have two choices. A, you can spend the rest of your life with your wife. Or B. B. <laughs> now that went really fast, right? Can you just play that one more time? All right, you have two choices. A, you can spend the rest of your life with your wife, or B. B. Yes, is you can end up where your relationship crashes. And you can see his heart was probably really closed. And so as we talk about unforgiveness robs us of relationship. Unforgiveness holds us captive. And I love this quote by Dr. Tony Evans, many of us are being hindered from our destiny because we are being held hostage by a leash around our souls called unforgiveness. 80% of us right here are being held hostage right now. I know that. Is Satan has a great way of even in believers is holding us hostage to unforgiveness. And so here's our heart. Our heart represents who we are. Our heart represents being able to love and receive love. But when our heart is shut down, it's really hard to live out the great commandment. It's really hard to love when you don't want to love. And so if this is our heart and this represents unforgiveness, when we start allowing unforgiveness to come into our lives, as we start seeing it starts wrapping itself around us, just like a snake coming out to to get its food as it constricts and starts holding that animal until it can die. That's exactly what unforgiveness can do. The reason why this means so much to me is because I've experienced this in my own life. I'm not speaking to you as a marriage pastor. I'm speaking to you as a fellow brother in Christ. And our organization, our organization was thriving. Our organization was having the best years ever. And the part I was responsible for was uh, events and conferences. And actually, the part I was responsible was what really kept our organization alive. And one day, my brother-in-law uh, is the CEO of our organization. My father-in-law gave it to him. And rightfully so, is he was leading our organization. One day, he called me into his office. And Greg said, hey, you're no longer going to be a part of our organization. What? Yeah, we're, we're going to make a shift. We're going to change. And uh, you're no longer going to be a part of our organization. I walked out of the office absolutely shocked. 
from actually just coming off of the best event we've ever done in our organization history. Everything I thought I was doing well, he decided to let me go. I was so confused. I didn't know why, but more than anything, I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed by your own family. I know some of you guys know what it feels like to be betrayed. Someone who's supposed to have your back. Someone who's supposed to protect you. And yet, when they don't do it, it just crushed my heart. And as time went on, the seed of unforgiveness started setting into my heart. Anger, resentment, bitterness. All I was consumed with was thinking about what Greg did and how could I get him back. Revenge. And that seed just started constricting my heart. Unforgiveness started coming in, and just like that snake, started squeezing the life out of me. Where one day I came home, feeling things I'd never felt before. I walked into the house, and right in the middle, I just basically collapsed on the ground. I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought I was having a heart attack. Carrie came over and was so encouraging is, is let's get you to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. I found a very quick way of getting into the room now. You just say there's something wrong with your heart. Boom, you're in. So I just got right in, and they started checking my heart. I was 33 years old, which I think is a coincidence with, with Jesus, is this started happening to me. And they ran all these tests. I had to stay overnight. And when I woke up, the doctor, the cardiologist came in. He looked at everything. And I never forgot. He looked at it, walked around the bed, leaned up against the wall, and said, Mr. Gibson, you don't have a heart issue. You have a forgiveness issue. How could that be? I'm a pastor. I should know this. But I had a forgiveness issue. And what God did in my life at that time is I hated what I was going through. But today I stand before you thinking this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I went in and saw a counselor who was able to help me and right off he said Raj he knew the situation he said I know that was terribly painful for you and you're allowing the enemy to win right now but I want to help you I was desperate because I hated the way I felt as my heart was just crushed and it affected every relationship I had because whatever your heart is feeling is what's going to come out 
So when I'm angry inside, it was coming out of my marriage. It was coming out in my parenting. I didn't like who I was becoming, so I was open. And he sat me down, and he said, Raj, here's what you've got to do. Forgive. I don't want to. Forgive. He doesn't deserve it. I haven't had my revenge yet. He read, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness is a command. It's not a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not until you're ready, but forgiveness is a command. We're told to forgive. And I was not ready. I could not even utter the words, I forgive Greg. I couldn't do it. He says, I know right now you don't feel like it. But I want you to go, get in your truck. No one will be there. And even if you can't say it out loud, pray it silently. So I did that. Nothing changed. But I could sense something was going to happen. And so if we've been wrong, we've been violated, whatever it is that is holding us captive, is forgiveness is there. That's why when Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven? And he thought, I'm being a generous person. Jesus responded with, no, forgive 70 times seven. Is forgiveness is a lifestyle for us. It's, it's what separates us from the world. And when we hold on to this unforgiveness, it's going to squeeze the life out of you. And Christ gave us this forgiveness model, this, this Jesus model of living daily in forgiveness, is it sets us free. Because forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. I never realized that because I thought, Greg has got to first come and apologize to me. How many times we wait for our partner? You got to come and apologize to me first, as opposed to me just saying, I forgive. Even if I'm not in the wrong, I'm still going to forgive because that's what Christ has called us to. We must forgive. As we start looking at forgiveness is for you, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives hold to the devil. Exactly what happened. I let that go. I let it go. Now, if we took that verse literal, you got to let go before the sun goes down. Is That's not actual literal. Because then what about the people in Alaska? <laughs> it's, it's a process. We don't want to. It's okay to be upset. It's okay. God gave us these, these emotions. And if you go to bed angry, it's okay. A lot of times Carrie and I would stay up until 2 a.m. fighting. And I know after 10 p.m., 
we're both on a war path. Nothing's going to change because you get tired. It's not good to talk about those things. But being able to say, take a time out and process these things is going to help your relationship. But when we get up the next day, we can rejoice because it's the day that the Lord has made. I didn't let that happen. I let anger take seed in me, and it squeezed the life out of me. Dr. Caroline Leaf, one of the foremost neuroscientists in the world, had the privilege of meeting with her. She's from South Africa. It's only three of her what she does. And so she does all this research on the brain. And when we were meeting, she was going on all these technical words. I didn't really know what she was saying. But then she stopped, and she said, you know, the brain was only created to do one thing. And when the brain does it really well, you're going to live at your optimum highest capacity. And I was instantly captured. I was like, what is it? She said, when your brain loves well, you're going to operate at your highest capacity. When you're filled with anger, when you're filled with resentment, when you're filled with bitterness, when you're filled with revenge, whatever you may be feeling, you start creating, like, literally, they have MRI pictures of this. Is your brain starts coming in with clouds. And when you are filled with anger, when you're filled with these negative emotions, it starts affecting the way you think. Your creativity goes. Your capacity to think loving thoughts gets decreased because your brain is filled with these clouds. And so when they were doing this research, they found there's one thing that will eliminate the clouds. There's no meds that can take away this cloud. And the one thing that could take away the cloud is forgiveness. So when we want to operate at our highest capacity, God created us in a way and gave us the gift of forgiveness that it allows us to be on a whole other spectrum than the rest of the world because we, as followers of Jesus, get the ability, the grace to be able to extend to others what he is so well extended to us is forgiveness. We as the church get to live out in our marriage, in our parenting, this wonderful model of forgiveness. Don't allow your heart to get captive by unforgiveness. It's, it's an amazing thing when we start living in forgiveness. Forgiveness is the essence of love. Forgiveness is the essence of love. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of harsh words. Get rid of slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, is forgiving you. Greg and I, as we started working on this process, I had the assignment of forgiving him. And through this time, I started working on that, and I asked the Lord, forgive me. I forgive Greg. It didn't happen overnight. It started going through a process, but God, and through the Holy Spirit, started working in my heart, started seeing things, started changing, and he and I ended up on a cruise together, of all things. Our families were on a cruise together, and I thought, I told Carrie, hey, I'm tired. I want to go over to the jacuzzi. So I went over to the jacuzzi, sat down in the jacuzzi. Of course, guess who comes? Greg. 
two grown men sitting in a jacuzzi alone together. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just started really sharing with me, you need to tell him you forgive. I remember going, I don't want to say it out loud to him yet because he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't said one thing to me to make it right. Not that I deserved that or needed that. He was doing what he needed to do. But we're called to be obedient. God's love language is obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. Obey my commands. So I thought, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you to make it right instead of me making it right. So I said, hey, Greg, got rid of the small talk. I said, Greg, I want you to know how much I love you. And would you please forgive me for the way I treated you? I started seeing tears come down his eyes. And he said, no, I need to ask you to forgive me. I'm crying, he's crying. We both stand up and now we're hugging in the hot tub together. <laughs> and I'm hoping no one comes around. It was a beautiful experience. Fast forward 18 years. I realize I'm preaching in St. Louis. And I preached this exact message. And I said his name. Before, I'd never said his name out loud. Because I always kind of changed it. I went, oh, no. He's going to find out. And we happened to be at Windshape, Chick-fil-A's uh, place in Rome, Georgia, together. And I knew I needed to tell him. So I said, hey, let's take a walk together. So we went hiking and uh, in the woods, pouring down rain. And as we were walking, I said, hey, Greg, I need to ask you to forgive me because I actually shared our story with the church that runs about 8,000 people. And I didn't ask you permission. So please forgive me. He goes, oh, geez. hey, I want you to share that story because that was huge in my life. And then he stopped. He said, hey, have I asked you to forgive me? I said, yes, Greg, you, you have asked me. But I, I, I owe you something. I went, what? You don't owe me anything. He says, will you forgive me? It still means so much to me. He said, will you forgive me for not being man enough to stand up for you? For not protecting your back? for falling into the influence of others. But you were doing such an amazing job that I was so weak. Will you forgive me for not having the courage to stand up for you? Now two men hugging in the woods. <laughs> but I took a picture of this. I took a selfie, and I want you to see this. There we are. It's the essence of love, what God created us for is we get to walk in our marriage going, today, I get to forgive you, baby. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to love you well. <laughs> because it's the essence of our relationship, is you're not going to be perfect. And we want to be able to hold each other's heart where we can start keeping our hearts open. Because there's times when I'll walk by, Carrie and I get into it, and she'll just walk by me, and she'll go like this. 
<laughs> Instantly, I know what that means. I got to apologize for something. And it's a great word picture for you to use in marriages because sometimes your heart isn't going to be open in your relationship. And help your partner to know when it's closed. Sometimes she'll go like, I say, hey, is your heart closed? She goes, no, but it's this. I go, is that the claw or is that the heart? She says, no, but we can get at this. But I want to share five things with you to help us in seeking forgiveness. Because this is really what's key in this. Is the first step is be tender. Tenderness. When we want to seek forgiveness is tenderness. It's when we come in and our, our body, our, our, our spirit is, you started this. Well, you started it. Oh, I'm tired of this, so forgive me. It's not going to go very well. But when we come in with the softness of being able to go, hey, you're more valuable to me than whatever this is. You're more valuable to me. When Michael was uh, about eight years old, we were in New York City and, and uh, downtown Manhattan, and it was right when Star Wars came out. And so we told the kids, stay right by our sides, because if you leave our sides, you will be taken away and eaten for lunch by someone. We don't know. We tried to scare them to death. But I was so mesmerized by all these sideshows, because you got these entertainers, they're so good, so I kept stopping at them. And this was the time Star Wars came out. So FAO Swartz was a big toy store. Michael just wanted to get to this toy store so he could play with lightsabers. And I knew that. So I told Michael, stay by me, stay by me. And we're right here. The store is like right over there. Michael's right here. And all of a sudden, I'm being entertained. I looked down. I went, where's Michael? He is gone. You know, I'm looking all over the place trying to see, where is he? Oh, no. I lost our son. I wasn't afraid of that. I was actually more afraid of her. And I thought, i got to find him before Carrie does. So I went into the store, and I found him in FAO Sword in a whole other world, just playing and fantasizing in Star Wars. I could see him with the lightsaber. But as a dad, I started thinking, this is the perfect opportunity to teach him a lesson. You don't leave. So I very cleverly, like a Jedi Knight, I took around the corner. I was hiding. And I got right behind him without him even knowing it. I thought, this is a great way to teach him. I'll flick him in the ear. So I went right up there to him, and I went, pow! Caught him perfectly. And he just wrenched in pain. Then he ran off. And I'm now chasing through a toy store trying to capture my son. <laughs> and when I found him, I tried to go up to him. He was so hurt. I could see the welt on his, on his ear. And instantly, I started going, oh, no. And I started thinking, what do I need to do? And the Holy Spirit just whispered and said, hey, why don't you try doing what you teach? I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I went up to Michael, and I, I got down on one knee like this. I said, hey, I didn't reach out. And tender, because when you lower yourself, it's basically saying, you're valuable to me. It's honor. You're so important to me. And then we practice empathy. Empathy is your second step. Is, is feel their pain. Is Michael was so hurt, 
And all he wanted to do was go to FAO Swartz, but Dad was so distracted that I bet that was really frustrating for him. Then the third thing is affirm the hurt. I can see that really hurt you. Validate that hurt and say, I could see you're really frustrated because Dad wasn't doing, getting you to where you wanted to be. And we talked about this all day. I bet that was frustrating. And admit the wrong. Say, you know what Daddy did was wrong. You're way more valuable. Will you forgive me for flicking you in the ear? And then reach out and see if they touch you. If they touch you, then they are ready to seek forgiveness. Touch does an amazing thing when we talk about the heart. When we start talking about forgiveness, it just starts unleashing the hold that Satan has on your life. God gave us that gift because forgiveness is about moving forward. Forgiveness enables us to move forward in a relationship. Paul says this in Philippians 3.13, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgiveness, I want to be really clear with this, is, does not excuse the behavior that was done to you. Forgiveness does not excuse the behavior what was done to you. But what forgiveness does is it prevents that behavior from destroying your heart. When we start forgiving, we let go of the past. The Greek in that is really about we don't allow the past to influence us anymore. How many of us live in the past held captive to unforgiveness? In your relationship, in your marriage, you're still holding on to something that is holding your marriage, your relationship, something that God has brought into your life, something that God has anointed you to have even before you were born. And you're holding it captive because of stubbornness, because of pride, because you're thinking that they need to apologize first or their behavior. Now, there's boundaries. We don't go right back. There's You've got to allow consequences. Natural consequences happen. But we allow God to take care of that. Our job is to love. Our job is we want to keep our hearts clean of anger. We want to keep our, our hearts free from bitterness. What's stopping you? What's stopping you from going forward in your relationship? Dads, the greatest gift you can give to your children is modeling forgiveness. The greatest gift you can give your children is modeling forgiveness. Because it's a skill that we need. When we forgive, it automatically reboots the relationship. But a better way of them seeing the Father is seeing you seek forgiveness, seeing that tenderness. And I want to challenge you as we close today. Is unforgiveness holding you hostage from your destiny? Is unforgiveness holding you from the relationship that God has really designed for you to have? 
You're not experiencing the relationship that God wants you to have because you keep going from relationship to relationship. When you're going from relationship to relationship, you're starting to see everything sabotaged. You've got to start looking at yourself. You've got to start looking at what is in my heart that keeps affecting every relationship I have. If you want to transform your relationship, if it's bad luck after bad luck after bad luck, is the gift I want to share with you today, 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 you can start and change the trajectory of your marriage. You can change the trajectory with your son. You can change the trajectory with your daughter. You can change the trajectory with your parent. Today is the day that you can change that because of what Christ did for us.